please give a warm in welcome uh, to my friend and our intern, Kevin Petermeyer. What, what, uh, what Ryder was really trying to say there was that when I ask questions, I just say a lot of stupid stuff, is really what he's trying to say. I have no filter. Um, but I'm so excited to be here, you guys, and uh, welcome to the inn. Uh, gosh, this is a great place. Um, but I just, before we start tonight, I just want to pose you with this idea, or it's not really a question, but mostly just an idea. Um, I want to pose this idea that uh, we do things and we act not so that God loves you or loves us, but because God loves us. Not so that, but because. So write that down if you're taking notes, um, or just log it in the bank. Um, but like Brian said, the past few weeks, um, at the end, we've been talking about this idea of transformation, um, and that it doesn't come from anything that we do, but it's all uh, Christ in us. Um, and I'm going to continue talking about that, but uh, Harvey, last week, did a great job sharing his amazing story of God transforming his life and completely overhauling from being a drug addict to following Christ and being a pastor. Um, two weeks ago, Janie, she uh, talked about uh, how we are each unique in ourselves to serve a bigger purpose outside of uh, just b- being good by our standards. Um, and so I'm going to continue with this um, idea of transformation, and I'll share with you guys uh, a couple secrets, uh, maybe some embarrassing moments. In fact, I'm going to go and say you will hear some embarrassing moments. Um, and, but more importantly, the amazing transforming uh, uh, thing that Christ did in me. Um, so, but before we do that, can you just pray with me real quick? Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for all these students that have chosen to come to the end tonight. Thank you that each one of them um, is trying to uh, learn more about you and seek after you. Um, And this is what it looks like to do that sometimes. And I thank you for that. And I pray for each one of them. I pray that tonight uh, they would hear something that they haven't heard before. Um, God, that you would reach them tonight. And that you would use me um, and it would be your words and not mine. Thank you for tonight, and we pray all these things in your name we pray. Amen. I said we pray twice just then. But, um, so for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Kevin Lewis Petermeyer. Lewis after my mom's maiden name, fun fact. Um, and I grew up in Portland, Oregon. There's a couple pictures of me, I believe, uh, we have. Ooh, man, is that a cute kid or what? Look at those PJs. Um, grew up in Portland, which is the greatest city in the world. Uh, woo! And I've actually lived in the same house my entire life. That's pretty crazy if you ask me. Oh man, whoa. Overalls? Come on. Girls, this is where you do the, oh, cute. Because I was. The bull cut? Rocking the bull cut. Oh, man. I tell you. I don't know about you guys, but I think I missed my calling as a jockey. <laughs> Look at that form. I know it's not a dog, but come on. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I went to Sunset High School. I believe there are four Sunsetters in the, in the building. Go Polos. A-P-O-L-L-O-S. Woo. Um, yeah, and fun fact, out of, out of the four schools I went to, three of them had the main color of purple. You dub people, you should like that. Um, but yeah, uh, so I uh, graduated from Linfield College, go Cats, uh, with, <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, with a business marketing degree, so naturally I would come work for a church. 
Um, and I have an amazing girlfriend. I don't know where she is. Karen Hostler. You should stand up and take a bow. Girls, if you haven't got to know her yet, do it. You won't be disappointed, I promise. Yeah, there's me graduating. That was the Roland. If you guys want to know the Roland, you want to put that picture back up? Yeah. That's what we call the Roland in, in college. You just put the, like you're, you know, grabbing your ear and then just kind of stanky legged almost. No, there's no copyright on that, so you can use it whenever you want. Um, I'm a huge sports fan. I love the Beavers, Packers, and Blazers. That's what I'm talking about. LaMarcus Aldridge, looking good. B-Roy, sad day, but we got to move on. Um, the Blazers are easily what gets me up in the morning, you know? I feel like I have no life without them. Um, I'm joking, but funny story about the Blazers. Um, last year, my dad got me tickets uh, for Christmas to a Blazer game in, like, January, maybe, maybe it's February. Um, and so I had two tickets, and I decided to take my brother. So two things here. One, if you ever want to buy me a present, get me Blazer tickets. It's simple. You won't, I won't, I will be very happy. And second, whenever I want to watch or go to a Blazer game, I want to go with my brother, wherever he is, because I know that my excitement and energy for the Blazers will be matched. Nothing worse than being that only guy that loves the Blazers. <laughs> that right there, I will tell you about shortly. You can leave it up there, actually. Um, so we're going to the Blazer game. And we, we have Lexus club, level, Lexus club level seats. They're pretty awesome. And you get, basically what happens is they're great seats and it's all-inclusive food. So you get a wristband and you walk in and you get pizza, pop, candy. You got the guy that's uh, under, you know, cutting meat underneath the heat lamp there, you know. That's always good stuff. Um, it's, it's the best. It's next, next step up from uh, courtside seats. Um, so we're heading out, and my brother's on his way down from Seattle, and he gets, uh, I don't know what he, I don't even what he did, maybe it was Twitter or something, um, but he finds out that it's 80s night at the Rose Garden, a la picture. <laughs> um, so me and Brian, of course, we're like, oh, well, let's go all out. It's 80s night. Let's dress up in 80s gear. We did Young Life in, in high school. We, know, we have tons of 80s stuff. Get the fluorescent stuff on, and I mean, look at the boots. It doesn't get much better than the boots. I actually think I wore those last week, did I not? Whatever. Um, so we're heading to the game, and we're like, 80s night, super jacked about it. We're, we get to the Rose Garden, and, you know, we kind of walk around. We don't really see anyone in 80s gear, but it's like, oh, okay, once we get in, it'll be fine. And so we walk in, and we get the wristband, we start eating lots of food, and Lexus Club level is kind of a lot of snobs, so everyone's kind of staring, staring at us, giving the stink eye, because I'm wearing those boots. Um... So we walk in, and no one's there, and we're like, okay, you know, there's 20,000 people in the arena. You know, at some point, we'll find someone. And we walk into the arena, and no joke, we are the only people in 80s clothes. And I'm not, that's not even an exaggeration. I'm pretty sure we were the only people in the entire arena. 20,000 people. Portland. They're wackos in Portland. Por keep Portland weird, you know? No one else is wearing 80s stuff. Evidently, uh, 80s night apparently was so that uh, to honor all the players that played in the 80s. <laughs> Not, not to wear, get all your 80s gear and wear it to the Blazer game. Done a lot of stupid stuff in my life, what can I say? Um, but I grew, up, I grew up with a great family, uh, maybe minus Brian. Uh, let's throw a couple of pictures. Sorry to throw you under the bus, Brian. Let's throw a couple of pictures. Uh, you can't really see that one that well. Go to the next one. Uh, Try and see the trend here. You know, we got cute Lisa on the, uh, cute Lisa on the left, cute Kevin in the middle, and then 
Okay, Brian. <laughs> Next picture. Cute Kevin and then Brian kind of being a knucklehead. I mean, of, of the two children, who would you choose? I'm pretty sure you would choose the blonde Kevin. Uh, no, just kidding. I love my brother. He's my best friend. Um, and I'm so excited to be here in Seattle uh, and get to see him all the time. My family's amazing, and uh, I owe a lot to them. And my faith wouldn't be the same without them. And, but the one thing my family couldn't do for me was make my faith my own. I, they couldn't make that decision for me. I had to make it. And it's a decision that I continue to make every day. Um, but tonight, we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. It comes from Luke 10.25. Some of you, in fact, I will, I'm, I'm willing to bet that 95% of you know the story. Um, it's very well known. It involves Jesus, whoa, um, and four other men uh, traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Um, don't worry about putting the scripture up yet, P.S. Um, and it involves a very well-known figure. It's this idea, it's, it's the good Samaritan. Okay? Ooh. I'm pretty sure everyone has heard of the good Samaritan. I think, anyway, maybe not. Um, but when I think of the Good Samaritan, there's a couple things that come to mind. One is uh, doing good things, helping others, uh, joining the Peace Corps, maybe. You know, all these things that we think make uh, the, the Good Samaritan. Um, a great example of this comes from the greatest TV show of all time. And he, okay, we're gonna all you guys are gonna say it with me on the count of three: one, two, three. Seinfeld. You did it. You guys all guessed it. Seinfeld. Uh, if you want to dispute me on whether that is the greatest TV show of all time, I'll be the one with the back-breaking jaws. Um, but anyways, tonight we're going to look at this. There's a clip I'm going to show you guys. Uh, gives us an idea of what the world and what our culture, um, through the eyes of Seinfeld, thinks of, of what the Good Samaritan means. Um, so in this clip, uh, the, the, three, the four friends are heading to Paris on a private jet, and uh, it ends up having to... Uh, it, something's wrong with the plane, so they have to land in a small town in Latham, Massachusetts. So that's where it begins. Whatever you're ready. Tell them what happened and tell them to get another plane down here. But this time, the good one. The dead dancing plane. All right, I'll feel them out there. Yeah, just tell them to hurry it up. Uh, nice day. Another one. <laughs> Boy, that's so out of the car. I'm going to capture this. Come on! Don't you? <laughs> well, there goes the money for the lipo. <laughs> See, the great thing about robbing a fat guy is it's an easy getaway, you know? They can't really chase you. <laughs> it's actually doing them a favor. It's less money for them to buy food. Don't you want? Come on! Come on, come on! Oh, that's a shame. All right, I'm going to call NBC. Okay, thanks anyway. They can't get another plane. All right, what's wrong with the plane we got? They're just checking it out. Oh, oh, no, 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 not getting on there. Come on, let's get something to eat here in Sticksville. All right, hold it right there. What? You're under arrest. Under arrest? What for? Article 223-7 of the Latham County Penal Code. What? No, no, we didn't do anything. That's exactly right. The law requires you to help or assist anyone in danger as long as it's reasonable to do so. I never heard of that. It's new. It's called the Good Samaritan Law. Let's go. Oh, 
that song there at the end is classic. Um, so, right there we see uh, the law requires you to aid and help and assist those who are in need. Um, in our society and in our culture, this idea of the Good Samaritan, if you ask someone on the street, uh, they will probably come up with answers similar to what I told you. Be a good person. Help and assist. All these things. You know, there are hospitals and laws that are named and modeled after this idea of the Good Samaritan. Uh, there's a nonprofit organization called the Samaritans whose sole thing is, is devoted to giving help to people who are in dire need. Um, but when Jesus tells the story uh, of the Good Samaritan in the Bible, um, is he really calling us to be better people? Is the sole reason that he uses this story about the Good Samaritan to, to tell us to be better people? I want to challenge this idea tonight, and I want to challenge you guys in thinking and um, invite you into what I think Jesus meant when talking about the Good Samaritan. Uh, the story picks up in Luke 10, 25, uh, 37. Um, it starts with a man that sometimes is referred to as a lawyer in some um, things. We're going to call him an expert in the law. Um, and yeah, so we're also going to call him Smokey for our purposes tonight. So keep that in mind as we continue. It's a great nickname, so go with it. Um, we get the, yep, there it is. Luke 10.25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So right off the bat, we see that this guy, Smokey, um, is trying to test Jesus. He's testing him. What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for an extra expense you may have. Which of these three robbers, or which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So in this scripture, uh, the lawyer, or Smokey, um, asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? He asked two questions. This is the second one. Who is my neighbor? And this is a legitimate question that someone of the law, someone who knew the law really well might ask, because he wants to figure out, he wants to be able to pinpoint who his neighbor is so that he can serve that guy and get into heaven. Um, he's thinking, all while he's thinking this, he asks this question that a neighbor to himself is obviously, he's thinking a neighbor to himself is obviously a fellow Jew, just like you and I think a lot of times. I think a lot of times I think, who's my neighbor? I'm like, oh, well, the person who's like me because they're easiest to love. That's a good way to go, I think. Um, but for Jews, Gentiles were not considered neighbors. Gentiles were people without Jewish blood, considered less than by Jews. Samaritans, on the other hand, were not, they were not considered neighbors either. In fact, they were looked at, looked at as unclean and even less than human. 
a little bit like whites viewed blacks uh, during uh, civil rights and most of the history of this country. Um, essentially, anyone but a Jew would clearly not be a neighbor to this man and to most Jews. I think in this story, Jesus purposely chose a Samaritan for this story because the Jews were right. They were right in thinking that Samaritans can't get into heaven based on what they do. He, they were right. But neither are the Jews. Jesus chose them because he's trying to make a point. He wanted the Jews to get out of the mindset of thinking that they could earn love and earn heaven based on their actions. So both Samaritans and Jews can't do it. I think we do this too. Um, when I read this, I think to myself, oh, I consider everyone to be my neighbor. I'm a good guy. I like people. You're my neighbor. Everyone's my neighbor. But when I think deep down, would I really think that? Do I really think that? Do I really think the guy who bugs the crap out of me in math class? I take math. Do I really think the guy that bugs the crap out of me in math class, do I really consider him to be my neighbor? Do I consider the person that is just a jerk, the waiter that's a jerk, for no apparent reason, do I consider that person to be my neighbor? The guy that's on the street that is really creeping me out, do I consider that person to be my neighbor? I know that I do the exact same thing as Smokey smokes. I think to myself, oh, God doesn't mean that person. Anyone but him. You see, what we do is we put these restrictions on God, on what we want and what we want him to do. We don't fully allow him to come into us and change us. He's waiting for the green light. So he can come in and shape and mold us. I think oftentimes when we read the scripture, oh, hello, get closer and it gets louder. <laughs> oftentimes when we read the scripture, our immediate thought is Jesus wants us to be a good person. Like I said earlier, Jesus wants us to be a good person. But God doesn't judge you based on what you, if you help the poor or not. God doesn't love you whether you help the poor or not. It's not about what you do. It's not about what I do. Just like Harvey talked about. He didn't, it wasn't anything he did. He was a drug addict. You can't get out of drugs. I mean, you can, but it was all God working in him. I think we immediately think, if we, if we, if we immediately think that faith is about doing the right thing, we miss the point completely. Does Jesus want us to do good things? Hear me out. Does Jesus want us to do good things? Absolutely. He wants to do good things all the time. It's great. Um, but it's, it's the heart. It's the reasoning behind the good things. And then he cares he cared so much more about. The reason that Jesus didn't give Smokey a checklist uh, when he asked what he must do to inherit eternal life is because nothing we can do is enough. When we are there for a friend who just broke up with their boyfriend or girlfriend, and we, you know, we're there for them, we help them out, we pray for them maybe, uh, we're there for them the whole time. If we do it because it makes us feel good or we think it's the right thing to do, then we've missed the point. If we toss some change to the homeless man or maybe give him a banana from Safeway, I've done that before. <laughs> Praise me. Um, if, if we think that that does anything, then we've missed the point. Because, oh uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I keep a journal. I don't know if you guys do. I keep a journal. Um, I like to write things in it. I... Yeah, right? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> um, I write kind of my thoughts, um, what, what's going on in my life, uh, maybe how, what God has been doing in my life, you know, what prayer requests, all those kind of things. Um, I encourage you guys um, to pick one of those up if you don't. It's a great way to look back and see the change that, you, that God has done in your life 
that it's so easy to miss when it's happening. Um, but I, I, I keep a journal. And, um, and for me, uh, in, in college and even now, um, writing in my journal becomes this checklist thing. Kind of like what uh, Smokey was doing. He wanted to figure out who it was so he could get eternal life. What he had to do so that he could be in heaven. And I do the same thing with my journals. Like, okay, if I don't journal tonight or today, then I haven't done what, I, what God wants me to do. Because that's the only thing. It's, you know, it's read my Bible, uh, journal, and you know, maybe uh, listen to some Christian music. Uh, you know, who knows? But I think that that's what makes God love me. It doesn't matter. In the, it, it becomes this if-then relationship. And this is so messed up from what God thinks. We are people who constantly make bad decisions. You can see it in relationships, romantic relationships. Where you can see a guy or girl you know, hurt someone else by what they said or did. You know, how often do we see that in life? I think we see it all the time. And it's so apparent to me that there's sin in our lives. We know it. And the amazing thing is that, that God offers grace, free grace that is not earned. Smokey was interested in earning grace, but it can't happen. He asked the question, how can I inherit eternal life? Which is the wrong question. Asking this question assumes that gaining eternal life and achieving eternal life is possible. If we only love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor, then we're good. It's so simple, right? We can't. We can never be good enough or do good enough. It is a gift given through Christ, and we believe in him and enter into a relationship with him. This is something that was really hard and really apparent in my life, is when I struggled, um, especially in high school, I struggled to differentiate um, you know, earning or doing the right thing or doing what I think I'm supposed to do, because I grew up in a, in a Christian home. Doing what I'm supposed to do and doing things and letting God's love change me into doing those things. You see, I didn't understand that God would actually, he would actually change my heart into doing the things that he wanted me to do. It's a hard idea to understand because we often think in terms of a checklist. God doesn't ask for a to-do list. He asks for your heart. He wants to be in relationship with you. Similarly, similarly to your best friend. He wants to know what's going on. He wants to know your life, know your pain, know your struggles, know your joys, know your, know your sorrows. He wants it all. And then there's the question of who is my neighbor, a.k.a. who do I have to love to get into heaven? God, just tell me who the people are, I'll love them, and I'm good to go. What do I have to do to gain something? It's a checklist question. Who do I have to love? You figure out the steps it takes to get wherever it is you want, and then you're good to go. What about the question that I want to pose? To whom must I become a neighbor? Jesus, at the end of the scripture, says, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? To whom must I become a neighbor to? This is the question that gets overlooked, and I think it correlates with this idea of transformation quite a bit. Instead of seeing how to gain or earn something, it would be asking how to give, how to show love. Um, this question can really only be asked when you are authentically, when authentically once our hearts have been transformed. And, we have become, and when we have become ourselves, the person God intends us to be. Be yourself. Uh, reminds me of a movie. Um, it's called Aladdin. I'm sure you guys have seen it. If you haven't, pick it up at uh, Scarecrow Movies, just on Roosevelt. Um, it's actually, they have a ton of movies over there, actually. But um, it comes from Aladdin. Uh, so Aladdin, in this, in this uh, you know, little scene-y thingy, he's trying to decide whether to tell Jasmine, his lover, 
um, that he's trying to decide whether he should tell her the truth, that he's a street rat, or lie, and continue lying that he is a prince. Um, so in that moment, the genie turns into a little bee, and he kind of buzzes around his ear, and he just kind of does a little, <clears throat> be yourself. <laughs> you guys remember this. Um, Aladdin, Aladdin, of course, doesn't listen, um, like most guys do. I think we have like a gene or something that like makes us do really stupid and say really stupid things. Um, luckily, if you have a nice girlfriend or one that is forgiving, then you're good to go. Um, I mean, they're forgiving, so I mean, you know, we're, we have to be forgiving. Um, but I think when we be ourselves, we actually allow transformation to happen. When we be ourselves, become ourselves, we start to ask the question, who can I become a neighbor to? Rather than who is my neighbor. When this switch from who is my neighbor to who can I become a neighbor to occurs, your heart starts to change. And you want to be a neighbor to anyone and everyone. This idea of not earning eternal life was radical. Jesus threw a big curveball um, to the Jews because religion was all about tasks, steps, you know, doing all the right things to grow stronger and higher up in religion so you can, you know, whatever. But Jesus makes them think outside the box, like, much like he wants us to think outside the box of doing the right thing. I think Christianity, we get this rap for, we get this reputation for thinking that we have to do the right things all the time. If we're not, then we're bad Christians. But Jesus makes them think outside the box. He said it wasn't about how successful you were in life, what your GPA was, you know, what boyfriend or girlfriend you have, what clothes you wear, what job you have after you graduate, uh, whether you help the homeless man on the side of the street or not, it's not about those things. It's about love and opening your hearts to let Jesus in and let him guide your actions. Who must I become a neighbor to? It's a question of how, how can I share this amazing love of Christ with others. What I love about Jesus is his unpredictability. The Jews never saw this this uh, the Samaritan coming. Uh, it was a total, just over their head, why would he choose a Samaritan? Someone who's less than human to be the hero in the story. I love it. And the reason I love it is because God's ideas are better than ours. Because we wouldn't come up with that. We would come up with some stupid story. And God just shows that he is better. And that's what I love about him. Because if he thought the same way I thought, that would be a really crappy God. Would you guys agree with that? Yes, you all would. Um, he's unpredictable. He does things that we don't, we don't see coming. And it reminds me of a story uh, when I was in college. Uh, warning. This story is borderline inappropriate. And I will probably get fired for it. But I'm going to tell you anyway. Um, so what happened was, uh, I was in college, and my friend Micah was coming. Uh, he, he went to Linfield, and then he went to Oregon State. He was coming to Linfield to hang out for the weekend, and so we were really excited. And I was walking back to my dorm. I was probably coming back from the library or something. Spent tons of time there. Straight-A student. Um, probably coming back from the library. And I'm walking down the street. Right, My dorm's really close, and I'm like, oh, Mike is there. He's sitting on the sidewalk uh, on, on the telephone. And, you know, he's a pretty recognizable guy. He always wore Chacos. Do you guys know what Chacos are? They're the Z-shaped sandals and he always wore like you know something super outdoorsy on top so i see him and i'm like yes micah so i run over to him and i just get there and i'm like and let's just say i got a little too close for comfort and at that moment he he's on the phone he turns around 
And I hear him say, hold on a second, I think someone is humping me. So he kind of he kind of turns around and I'm, I kind of like look up like this and and at that point I realize that it is not Micah. <laughs> and at that point I realize what's going on. I'm being very inappropriate with someone I have no idea who it is. And I think to myself, how weird this dude must feel right now. (laughs) So I immediately run into my dorm, just laughing like, wow, what am I doing in life? (laughs) So, So things aren't always what they seem, you guys. Don't ever forget that one. Uh, all that to say, uh, God calls us to love our neighbor as ourselves. God calls us to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love our neighbor as ourselves. But all these things are impossible. It's as if he, uh, we are you know, going through the, the highlands of China, and we get to uh, the Great Wall of China, and God says, hey, love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor, jump 20 feet. That's essentially what he's asking us. It's impossible. I mean, unless you got mad hops. Um, it's not going to happen. And God knows that. He knows it. He wants you to realize it and turn to him. We cannot possibly love God enough. He wants us to give up and let him change us from the inside out. I noticed that once I began to do this in my own life, my life has completely changed. I found myself doing things I didn't know that I could, didn't know that I enjoyed. Um... I did Young Life in college, and I found myself, if, for those of you who don't know what Young Life is, basically hanging out, mentoring high school kids. Um, I found myself enjoying spending time with freshmen in high school. If you guys have done that recently, it's not that fun. It actually can be really annoying and say some really stupid stuff. But I saw this amazing transformation in my life where I was enjoying those things. I found myself doing things I didn't even know I could do, praying with kids and, and, and walking them through... Uh, Giving their life to Christ. I mean, I don't, know to, I don't know how to do that. It was nothing that I did. I mean, I remember this specific moment. Uh, we were at camp in Eastern Oregon, Young Life Camp. And this kid kind of, we're sitting on a bench, and this kid goes, Hey, Kev, I think I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And I said, in my head, I'm like, Okay. Go for it, man. You got it. What do you need me for? And, uh, you know, I didn't do that. But I, I, I might as well have because what I did probably wasn't that much better. But that's the beauty is because what I did didn't matter. When I look back, I know I had nothing to do with that moment. It was all God working in me. You see, I couldn't have ruined those moments because I wasn't checking something off my list. God had my heart. He was working through me. He was the one that made all those things happen. He was the reason for the transformation in my life. It wasn't me. It wasn't my to-do list. A to-do list in that instance probably would have ruined it and created it would have been a huge waste of time, stress, and energy. Let God take away your stress by letting go of your good personal list and let him have your heart. I challenge you guys tonight to think of that person or think to whom you can be a neighbor to. You may have the person already in your mind. Who can I become a neighbor to? That's the question. 
Because in the end, he's the one that's going to be, do the great things in your life, not you. Be that good Samaritan because God loves you, not so that God will love you. Let's pray. God, Father, Jesus, thank you for this time tonight. I pray that you would help us to understand what it means to become a neighbor to people. And God, help us transition from who is my neighbor, the checklist, to who can I become a neighbor. God, help us to love you more. God, I pray that you would change us from the inside out. God, you have the power to completely reverse our life as we saw it with Harvey's life. God, I pray that each one of these students would look into that and see where they can follow you more. God, thank you for who you are and what you've done, and and thank you for um, everyone in the room tonight. Uh, You are amazing. You are all-powerful, all-loving. In your name and powerful name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank Kevin for sharing with us tonight.